So go to the scripture this morning. Um, it's a little longer, and it's because we're starting this next section. And uh, this is, ironically enough, the part of the sermon I kind of pulled out, and we'll look at the I Am scriptures next week, although that's going to be in the sermon. Um, and I'll focus on the Beatitudes next week um, that you're going to hear today. But these are the central pieces of Jesus' teaching, and see if you can pick out the five basic elements of his life and his teachings as David reads. Our scripture reading this morning is from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 5, verses 1 through 20. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up to the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him. Then he began to speak and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how can its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything, but is thrown out. And trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hid. No one, after lighting a lamp, puts it under a bushel basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light. Shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have come not to abolish, but to fulfill. For truly, I tell you, until heaven and earth pass away, not one letter, not one stroke of a letter will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great 
in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Holy wisdom, holy word. So as I said, we begin the third part of this series on Jesus, and I I think this may be the most important part uh, as we explore this. There were five elements, I think, that, that, you know, as I was studying this and looking for some of the basics that can help give us handles in moving deeper and forward in our faith. And it's important that we have handles like that. We are living in a time of history where people are challenging this left and right. We live in a time where folks are calling themselves spiritual but not religious. And, and somewhere in the midst of the history that seems to have gone a little crazy, maybe a lot crazy, in, in the past year or two years or three years or even five years, where do we find handles? How do we find hope? To whom do we turn in the midst of all of this? And the answer can be Jesus a lot, but not just that. And so I want to start out this morning by just giving you those five basics that kind of define Jesus uh, as, as he was in his time. <clears throat> First, he was a teacher. And I'll f- spend a few minutes focusing on the I am statements in John in just a second. And then next week we'll look at the Sermon on the Mount and four additional elements because I'm going to focus on teaching um, this morning. Second, he was a healer, and I'm, I'm really thrilled, Alan, that what you, did, you still played some Christmas pieces today, because as I said in the services, even last week, it's so important for us to look at that Christmas story and see the spectrum that's established in Scripture. The spectrum that began with the shepherds is the poorest of the poor. Again, nobody wanted to be a shepherd. Nobody grew up hoping to become a shepherd. Nobody liked the shepherds. They were dirty, grungy. Nobody wanted to be near them. And yet the announcement of this birth came first to them. But then, in the Gospel of Matthew, not long after that, came the wise men, or the kings, the wealthiest of the wealthy. And what we have established there is the spectrum of ministry, even in Jesus' time, and What we have to remember as we look at these Gospels that no matter who it was that came to him for healing, he healed them. From a Syrophoenician woman hated by Jews to a centurion and their servant to a woman rejected, having been bleeding for years, to anyone who came to him. The other thing to share is not once, not once in the midst of his healing, Did he ever take credit for it? He constantly pointed to God as the source of that healing power. He was a teacher. He was a healer. Third, he was centered and refilled constantly by his relationship with God because in the midst of it all, he would continually take time in solitude and in prayer to to help him be guided by that power, to help him continue to be centered, to be filled, to be directed. It's just incredible how often, and particularly after every single challenge or crisis in his life, he went 
to the desert or somewhere by himself to pray. Prayer and solitude are the third piece of those things that defined his his time on this planet. Fourth, if you look at the period, we recognize that he began something completely different when it came to community. That what he did was he redefined, I'm sorry, he redefined the whole idea of community. Community for him was a smaller group that came together for teaching, for prayer, for healing, for all of those things. And, and they became a powerful group, so powerful that what they then did was took it to the next set of community, the next group, and they spread the gospel that way. Completely different understanding of the whole idea of community, and we are sitting here on this Sunday morning as the Seahawks play because of that understanding of community. And finally, number five, the other key element that defined him was he was a confronter. He was unapologetic about confronting those that would do harm to others. Teacher, healer, prayer, community builder, and confronter. And if that was so for him, those are the five elements that need to define us. It's amazing. But to even get there, to look more deeply at that, we also need to examine over time how those five elements interwove through history. What confronted them? What tried to shift them? What tried to change them? And could those kinds of shifts and changes throughout history help us define more readily those five elements in this time of history and our role in these five elements in history? So if these were the five central pieces, we have to also remember two other things. One is that the whole idea of all of this was for him to save. And in the mainline church, we struggle with that word, I think, a lot. Many of us do. I have learned to no longer struggle with that word. Jesus was, first and foremost, a savior. A savior. And every one of those elements helped define what Savior meant. Every one of them helped define what Savior meant. But the other element is, when did it all begin for him? Was it really at his birth that he realized that he was going to be this? It does not appear so to me. It appears that this all began at the point of baptism. Something happened in him when he went into the water, baptized by John, came out of the water and suddenly shifted his life. He was transformed by something. And what the Gospels that talk about that baptism say is the heavens opened up and a voice, whether it was heard by others or was thunder or was heard within himself, said, you are my child in whom I am well pleased. And that transformation then sent him out to be challenged and helped him define what his role was in the world that surrounded him. Transformation. Savior. Teacher, healer, prayer, community builder, confronter. But beyond that, we have to come to terms with one other thing. If we are to be followers of Jesus, we need to understand how he defined himself. And to that, I turn to the Gospel of John. 
there are any number of I am statements. I am is the term that, was, that God used to define God's self in the burning bush with Moses. Now Jesus comes back and says, I am. Yahweh is the translation of that. I am. And he begins to define what he is. First, he says, I am bread. I am bread. I am that which fills you with nutrition. I am the food that you need to eat. And now we know that some things that they didn't know back then, that it's, you know, I remember writing, just before writing the STP a couple years ago, you, you carbo-loaded. And that's what this does, is it gives you energy. It helps you focus. And isn't that what being bred as Christ does for us? He is the nutrition that we seek so that we can find the energy to do this work and to focus in on what we need to focus in on. Then he says, I am light. I remember this children's moments in Auburn. It, it was one of those profound things, and I think it was a third grader, someone very much like Sophie, who, who sat there and we were talking about light and darkness, who said the words... Pastor Brad, do you understand that darkness cannot overcome light? Ever. But light, no matter the darkest place, will continually overcome darkness. Light continually overcomes darkness. It is that which can lead us down the correct path, a path of safety, a path of enlightenment, a path that that helps us see those things around us in a different way. I am light said Jesus. And think about what we can learn from that. Then he said, I am the good shepherd. A good shepherd takes care of their sheep. If one gets lost, the good shepherd goes after that one knowing that the others will take care of each other. I keep thinking, I just keep looking over at Big Bubba with the guitar and thinking of Robert and Lisa. And right now they need us to surround them and find them and support them but there are others for whom that is true. The Olamans, Betty, others that, that need us to surround them and go be with them and find them. Because we'll take care of each other in the midst of that, but we need to take care of them as well. And so what does that mean for us? It doesn't mean that we go around like sheep. It means that we find those places where shepherding is needed and unapologetically shepherd. He said, I am the gate or the door. And if you look at the the, the book of Revelation and, and the fact that he says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And the hope is that the door will open. But what does that mean? The door to what? Well, the door to the power of God. I, I was sitting, I took a couple days to just be in kind of prayer and solitude late last week. And for the first time, I opened up the book of Hebrews. It's in the New Testament. We don't spend a whole lot of time on it. And in, I think it's chapter, or in verse 3 or 4, the whole idea of Hebrews is what was Jesus' relationship with God and these powerful words of Jesus was the imprint, the imprint of God in the world. And the most accurate imprint of God in human history. Wow. Well, if that's the case, then the door opens through him to that light and that bread 
in the midst of the world. But he doesn't stop there. He says, I am the resurrection. And we often get confused and and think that that resurrection only means life after death, when in fact it means life after life. It means that there are those in need of resurrection today in the world. Some of us are in need of resurrection in our lives right now to find hope and encouragement and new life in the midst of that. And Jesus can help us understand what that means. And then finally, he says, I am the vine. I am the vine. He doesn't say, I am the soil or the roots or the trunk. He says, I am the vine. And that nutrition and that life and that fruit that flows up from the roots, God, flows through Christ. And we are the branches who receive that power and that energy to bear fruit. And then we go back to what kind of fruit? Full circle. To be those who understand the teachings of Jesus. Those through whom now healing can happen for others in the world. Those who can be refilled in prayer and solitude. Those who can create the kind of community that he created. And finally, those, as we will be doing and continue to do, to confront confront those areas in the world that need confrontation and do it without apology, with power, and the power of God in the midst of of that for anyone who would do harm to anywhere in God's creation. Friends, these are key elements. These are the handles upon which we hold to move forward. And as we take that on, more next week and the following week on this, as we take that on, let's pray together. God, we thank you for this time. And as we as we come into this time of really looking more deeply not only at these truths and these handles, but what these mean for us in this time of history and for us as a church in this location and within that which surrounds us. We ask your blessing on this time. Deepen us. Help us continue to seek, to ask, and to knock in the midst of this time. All this we ask. In Christ's name, amen.